Hello and welcome back to the itinerary episode number 18. We are legal in many places. Welcome, I'm Jared Schwartz. I'm Melissa Schwartz. And number 18, so we're heading across the pond, as they say. Quick jaunt. Yes, uh, London in the UK, the countryside. So we spent uh, three nights there this past weekend. Quick quick little trip across the Atlantic. Uh, spent the first night in the countryside, and we'll tell you about that. And then two nights in the city where we expanded our belts and we ate at four, yes, four of the top 50 restaurants in the world in just two days. How about that? And we're still... Uh, <laughs> Quite impressive. We're still fitting in our clothes. Trying to. Barely. Uh, bring on those sweatpants. <laughs> um, so remember, you can... Uh, get any of the previous episodes on iTunes. We just went over our Asia trip, uh, which was Tokyo, Hong Kong, and Chiang Mai, Thailand. Um, You can get that, of course, on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. And for those of you who are non-Apple users, you can always get it on Spotify and all those other platforms. Wherever you listen, you can get it. Also, the website, want to tell you about that, the itinerarytravel.info. Um, if you have been saving up those points and miles and you want to go somewhere, but you don't know the best way to do it, you don't know how you can get the most value of all those American Express, all those chase points, city, whatever you have, if it's in airlines, if it's in hotels, Marriott Bonvoy, whatever you have, uh, go to the website, the itinerarytravel.info, and we'll help you out. Get in touch. Send us a message on the Contact Us form. Um, helped a bunch of people, Asia, Italy, Spain, just to name a few. Um, and that's an easy way for you to get one-on-one personalized advice. We'll make it easy for you so you can go on that next trip and get the most value out of those points so you spend the least amount of cash and everybody always likes that when uh you don't have to shell out hundreds and thousands of dollars and you can get to where you want to go whether it's in business class with the live flat seat you want to spend a little less and make a couple trips out of it and go economy we can do that as well so three nights uh across the pond in london um you ready i'm ready all right let's go So how did we get there? This was, as I mentioned, a quick trip, three nights, holiday weekend. Uh, We went United. We paid cash to go out of Newark direct to London Heathrow. Got a really good deal on the flight. Uh, The one-way tickets could be tricky when you're traveling to London. It's um, one of the most used routes in the world, basically. Um, It has the most option. It has the most people. It's either New York to London or New York to L.A., basically. Um, So there's a ton of airlines that fly, whether from the tri-state area, whether it's United, Delta, Virgin Atlantic, British Airways, American, uh, tons of ways to get there. We chose United. Um, I got a really good deal, and... We each had a voucher 
for about a couple hundred dollars off. So uh, our round trip ticket to London came to be just a couple hundred dollars, which is really good. Um, when well, you... it was six eighty nine before we used the voucher. So e- like even without the voucher, it was it's a really good deal. Yeah. Um, you're, you're, you were like giving me looks as if I said something <laughs> wrong, but I, I think it was just like you're agreeing. No, so you're, you're basically, we paid more or less $300 round trip yeah. to go to London direct, which is an incredible deal. Which uh, you know what that means. That means that we flew economy. Plus. <laughs> economy <laughs> plus. Got to no, throw, throw that no in there. No Polaris for these Schwartzes on this trip. No Saks amenity kit. No gel pillow. Ugh. I mean, the outrage, right? Like, it, and it's interesting, though, because what, what I was mentioning is the one-way flights, because it's such a business-heavy route, they jack the one-way flights up so much that it's usually, like, three times as cheap to book a round-trip ticket than it is a one-way. So, and even the, the round trips, for the most part, are pretty expensive. When I was looking, you know, a couple of weeks before, two weeks before the trip, they were... Hovering around two thousand dollars, even in economy, you want to fly business five grand. Like that's pretty crazy, and um, it's doable. Like if you're going to Europe, it's probably one of the shortest trips you're going to get. Rather, you know, other than Dublin and Scotland, pretty much, or Iceland, if you want to throw that in there. Um, so it is doable, but obviously, if you had your choice, you're going to fly in business every time rather than coach. Um, With the United status, um, we got an upgrade 24 hours before to the United, you know, Economy Plus seats, which gives you an extra couple of inches of legroom, which is significant for me being a taller person, not so much for you. Um, But on the way there, we flew like in the exit row. And then on the way back, just a regular Economy Plus seat. But on the plane, it was a 767-400, um, which is two, three, two. So we were able to get the two on each side, which is always better than being in the middle. Um, one thing to note, United at a Newark has five flights a day to London Heathrow. So there's a lot of options. And four out of those five flights are on the seven, six, seven, 300. We flew on the 400, um, which is a little bigger, but the main thing is on the 300s, they've, they've started to retrofit uh, the interiors of those aircraft. So you're going to find the new Polaris seats, which were previously only on the 777-300 um, in a 111 layout. And on some of these flights, they've made it half of the plane is actually Polaris. So it goes up to row 20. And then there's only 20 rows of economy after that, 10 or so are economy plus. Um, so they've really tried to cater to the business traveler there. Um, our flight was a little different where we had the old style, little bigger plane, uh, with the 400 layout, but all in all six and a half hours to get there, seven and a half, uh, to get back. Um, so not so bad to, you know, to go to London. Usually you'll fly on the overnight, the red eye on the way there. So you are tired when you get there, especially like for me, I don't sleep. You sleep on planes notoriously um i think out of those six and a half hours you probably slept four and a half to five give or take yeah i think that's fair i took some zequel i i definitely wanted to sleep yeah which you did i heard you snoring 
right next to me. Jared. <laughs> it's okay. It happens. Stop telling lies <laughs> to our listeners. I would never lie. But you just It's did. okay. <laughs> uh, so so six and a half there um heathrow has a new interesting thing they just came out with it last week actually um where they let you scan your passport um in the machine and then just go right through immigration like there's no stamps um if you go to london heathrow which anymore. made me sad which made you sad but i i don't think you were hating on the yeah we two, right two minute wait in the line to get through passport control, uh, you know, on the way back coming, you know, back to Newark, we had that like an crazy. hour wait. 45 minutes. Right. So usually, um, even in the U.S., you'll scan your passport and then you have to wait in line to see an agent. Well, at London Heathrow, you scan your passport and you walk right through and you walk out. That's it. So it's pretty easy. And they did this because a lot of the business travel as well, um, London Heathrow was notoriously known for having long, long Im- immigration lines, over an hour. Um, you know, you were trying to make a meeting after a red-eye flight, and, you know, if you were held up for an hour or so, you would have missed the meeting. You would have been way late. Um, so I found that out just a couple of days before we went, and I pointed it out to you, and you are like, oh, this looks good, and... You know, when yeah. we ac- when we actually got there, it was it was super helpful. So um, that's getting through the airport. So let's let's talk about where we went. And we, for the most part, like to go into the countryside of places. Like there's only very few big cities that we like to stay in. And one of these for you was London. So we booked up two nights in the city proper. But the first night. We did outside the city um, at Heckfield Place in Hampshire, which is about 45 minutes uh, from London Heathrow. So I went there first. You had a meeting in the city. Then you met up with me a little later. Um, This place was really spectacular. It's a mansion from the 18th century um, that was family-owned for a long time and was restored um, not not fully. There's a lot of the original elements to it, um, but it was made into a hotel, and it was supposed to open in 2012, so seven years ago, and it never did, and it ended up being opened last just last year. Um, and we've stayed at a couple of these types of properties, um, really in Europe, where you know you try and find something that's reasonable outside the city, so half hour, 45 minutes, maybe an hour. Reasonable distance. Reasonable distance, yes. But let's... The, the price is, is a little steep. Yeah, that's a different story. But I'm just talking distance-wise where you can get to in an easy fashion. I was just clarifying. Yeah, if you want to stay a night. Um, so this mansion was opened as a hotel uh, last year. The grounds were spectacular. It's on its own farm. Uh, they have pigs. They have sheep. They have little lambs. Uh, they have their own garden there. It's kind of tricky to find, either, even like I took an Uber there, and if you type in the address, it takes you to the farm, and you know nobody really, I didn't know where I was going, I was trying to f- follow along on the map, it was kind of hard, uh, so we ended up asking for directions, got back on the main road, found it there, um, but once you got there, uh, the service was spectacular, I thought, 
and <laughs> we were only there basically 24 hours. Um, I got there, and they showed me around a little bit, um, and then I went to have lunch on the patio because the room wasn't ready, and they have two restaurants there. Um, Marl and Hearth. Right, Marl and Hearth, um, both overseen by a Michelin star chef. Um, Marl is the more casual one, where they have an a la carte menu, um, and open to anyone. For Hearth, you need to be a hotel guest to eat there. And they only serve dinner, what is it, Friday Fri- and Saturdays? Right, Friday and Saturdays, and then a brunch on Saturdays, and that's it. Um, so I ate lunch on the patio. It was very nice. Uh, you know, overlooking, I don't know, they have, <laughs> they have a pond out there. Um, just the greenery, and it's very calm. There's a big clock tower in the distance. Um, and then you came in a couple hours later, um, and then we just tried to catch a nap, basically. Um, you know, you slept a couple hours playing, I didn't at all. Um, and then we had a decision to make, uh, what we were going to do for dinner. But you're saving the tea ceremony. I know. I'm not, I'm going back to it. I'm just, I'm just saying what we were going to do. Our our, our hard, laborious decisions that had to be made. So for dinner, we originally had reservations, uh, at the restaurant that I went to lunch to. Um, but it was the same menu and hearth, as, uh, Melissa mentioned, is only open on Friday and Saturdays. It's a tasting menu on an open fire. Um, but the menu that we saw online didn't really appeal to us too much. So we asked to see that day's menu, and it was completely well, different. So I started getting FOMO because I was like, okay, like you can only eat at this restaurant. I, I love an, ex- an exclusive kind of thing. And so you could only eat at this restaurant if you were staying at the hotel and the, and the restaurant is only open two days a week. And so I was kind of like, it's kind of like fate that we should like give this a shot. And then Jared and I stayed at, um, the vines in Mendoza, which is Francis Malman's hotel. And he's the famous chef that his restaurant is Siete Fuegos, which is seven fires. And it's like cooking on the open flame. And so we love that so much that I started buying into it. Um, Also, part of the reason we were going to eat at the a la carte restaurant was because, as Jared mentioned in the the beginning, we were in London, we were eating at four of the 50 world's best restaurants, um, and we're going to be doing tasting menus there. So... I was trying to pace ourselves, but then I just, like, couldn't hold back. You're like, let's go. Let's go all in. It doesn't matter. I was like, YOLO, FOMO. And it was a good decision. Yeah. It was really Um, good. It was a really good meal. Like, it's not in the quote-unquote top 50 restaurants in the world. Uh, Not Michelin-starred, but it was pretty damn good. Um, Five courses. Uh, The first one was a half a lobster. Like, you see a lobster, like, dish on a tasting menu in the beginning and you're like oh it's gonna be like a little what? tiny piece this was a half a lobster a tail a claw um a knuckle really good um when you we were worried like when you cook on open fire lobster usually it dries out which we had in the caribbean a bunch of times this was super juicy and tender um they had some a lot of other things as well that were just really good they topped they it off burrata. We had lamb, which was really good. The lemon pie was excellent. The pastry chef at this place was bomb. Right. So, yeah, we had a lemon tart for dessert there, which was really good. But as Melissa mentioned, prior to dinner, every single day, 
they have high tea in the afternoon, which you kind of expect if you're if you're going to London or the surrounding areas. This was kind of different, where they in the main house, which they call it. Uh, there's a couple different rooms there. You have the lobby. There's a formal dining room that's set for 12 people that overlooks the grounds, which is beautiful. Um, you they have also a, have a greenhouse, and that has its like own dining room right, in it. Right, that's outside. Um, they have a breakfast room, which overlooks the patio, and then they have a drawing room, which they call it, which has a grand piano in it. Um, the drawing room is where they have high tea. And so we had to set our, our alarms, but I'm glad we did. So 4 to 5 p.m., high tea in the drawing room. Uh, you get the English breakfast tea. If you want chamomile, you can ask that. We both went for the English breakfast, breakfast, which was really good. And then they have a cake of the day, which you completely scarfed down. Like Who knew I no, loved ginger cake? <laughs> this was a, what was it, a ginger lemon cake? I don't think it was lemon. I think it was ginger and some other fruit. And then it was the cream cheese frosting, which right. I love. Yeah, that's the same like on a carrot cake or something yep. like that. Red velvet, right. carrot cake, my two faves. So they have a big cake by the window. They cut you a piece. I'm not a big cake guy, but this was pretty damn good. Like oh. this was super moist. Um, I knew you were going to use the M word. But it was. Because that's my main gripe like with cake. Like it's dry and I don't like that. That's why you don't like cake? Yeah. Oh, okay. I usually think it's super dry. It's not... No, it I doesn't taste good. You why you're not a big cake yeah, fan. Yeah, okay, I'm really that's... not a good a big cake fan because of that. Okay. But this one was really good. This one topped the cake? Yeah. <laughs> yes. It was, uh, it was really good. So your tea, your cake, um, they change it every day. We were, we, were, we were obviously only there for one day, so we only got to taste that one. But really good. Um, some of the other things, like, that they have on the property. Melissa mentioned um, they have a screening room. Uh, we took a tour in a, in a Range Rover, I guess, or Land Rover around the property, and we saw the farm. So they have chickens on the premises where um, they get their eggs for breakfast every day. Um, in that casual restaurant, which I had lunch, we also had breakfast the following day, um, and the eggs were really good. Uh, they also did a nice iced coffee. I, I, I'm going to give a shout-out for the iced coffee because uh, we've been to plenty of places in Europe where they just don't know how to do it. Um, number one, they don't use ice, which <laughs> would be key in iced coffee. Like, I, I always have to ask for, like, seconds and thirds and maybe even fourths of ice. Um, but I asked for iced latte. They brought it. Super cold. A lot of ice in it. Really good. Um, so that was breakfast with the eggs from the farm next door. Um, and then we also... Farm sit- to table. Exactly, farm to table. Um, and then you mentioned the sheep and the lamb as well. So had that a um, little bit I mentioned the lamb because I ate lamb. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, we saw it on the farm and then you <laughs> ate it on your plate. So you got the best of both worlds yeah, right there. there. Uh, <laughs> so... That was uh, the night. Let's talk about the room a little bit. Um, so beautiful. Yeah, really nice laid out. You had a living room on one side. So I want to take a step back and okay. say that Condé Nast Traveler has a, has a couple of lists. They have Reader's Choice Awards, which readers write in. Then they have the gold list, which are your like iconic, historical 
best-in-class hotels, and then you have the hot list, which are the newest properties. Very rarely do I see overlap between hot list and gold list. This is actually the only property, I believe, to be on both this year. So it's it's a showstopper. It's legit. It is. Um, so on both lists. And, yeah, I mean, the room itself, uh, as I was mentioning, has had a, a living room section, bedroom section, had a mini bar, complimentary uh, sparkling water, which is always a big thing for you. Yeah, I love Mrs. Sparkling Water. <laughs> um, and then they make their own ginger soda in-house, which was in there. Uh, only thing you have to pay for if you want some of the snacks or some of the alcohol. Um, but besides that, everything is for you. I'm going to say I was a little surprised they wanted you to pay for the snacks. but Really? I feel like places that we've stayed at that are of that caliber, the snacks are free. Uh, yeah, for the most part, but I think it's it's hit or miss. Um, but, like, you just go downstairs and you, you're going to eat anyways, so um, they're giving you, the like, the ginger cake in the high tea for free, right? Or it's included, mm-hmm. so that's one thing. Um, but, yeah, just, uh, like, a special place, only been on the map for a year as a hotel, Super service. They were very attentive. Um, it's a little off the beaten path, but not as much as other places that we were looking at. So it's definitely doable. Uh, 40 minutes from Heathrow, about an hour into the city or so. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would highly recommend it. It's it's a place that we like, and we've been like talking about this because I think your preferences change over time and what you like and what you enjoy. And this is a place that is a mansion from the 18th century, but it's not rustic. Like, it's super modern. And that's really what we like Mm -hmm. and what we enjoy. So uh, the amenities were up to date. The rooms were up to date. The food was on point. But you still feel like you're back in time. And I would have liked to stay longer if I could. Um, I felt like... Whenever you take an overnight flight, you're jet lagged, no matter what. Um, so that first day, yes, you're there, but you're super tired, and then you have to take a nap. Um, and like we did, we set the alarm to get up for high tea. Um, I would have liked to spend a little more time there just because I liked it so much. Um, but we had other plans to do and other places to eat at, so that's what we did. So um, we took Get Transfer, which we've done in the past, um, we had a little hiccup with this. Um, it wasn't like it was out of our control, but we scheduled the pickup at 1130 in the morning from the hotel. I confirmed with the company a couple of days before they said, yes, they'll be there. However, there was an accident, um, on the way to the hotel, which the driver did a good job of calling us and informing us. Um, however, he said he was only going to be 15 minutes late. He ended up being 45 minutes late. Now, like in many respects, that's okay if you're not in a time crunch, but we had a lunch reservation at, at the, what is it? The 25th, 24th best restaurant in the world. And they, this restaurant, so it's Clove Club. They, um, charged me 50 pounds per person prior 
um, which was non-refundable, so that's like $65 a person. So they had already charged us $130. Right. So the driver was 45 minutes late. We knew there was going to be traffic. We knew without traffic it was going to take an hour and a half. So ended up taking two hours. So we had a 1.30 lunch reservation. Uh, we the got there at like 2? 2.10. Because I saw, you know, on the map, like, what, what time we were going to get there. So at 1.30, I called them. I explained the situation. I saw that they were open for lunch till 2.30. Now, that could mean they take reservations till 2.30. They... And they don't. We got right. the latest reservation, which is <laughs> Correct. They, quote-unquote, shut down the, the kitchen at 2.30. However, there were a ton of people there, like, eating lunch when we got there and even after us. So it really wasn't a big deal, but I did call... Um, we got the reservation okayed for a 210 arrival. I said, you know, if there's any other traffic, we'll give you a call. But we did make it there at 210. That's another thing, the London traffic. Freaking ridiculous. Like, to go someplace that was supposed to take 10 minutes, it takes 40. Um, it's a lot. And there's only a couple ways to go now. For this restaurant, we were, we were following the map, so we went off the path a little bit, took some back roads, and when we did get there, 2.10, so we sit down, um, and it took two and a half hours to eat the lunch, and, you know, they quote-unquote open for dinner at five, but they really never close, so you're, you're okay if you're late a little bit and they okay it. They had yeah, to but we didn't know that. Right, but they checked with the chef. And it was okay. So um, let's talk Clove Club first, uh, since that was our first stop. It was the highest rated on the top 50 that we were going to go to. And you put a lot of stock in this list. Um, There's a lot of different lists you can go by. You can go by Michelin. You can go by top 50. But this is is your bread and butter. Um, Well, yeah, because Michelin is is great. uh, But it's only in certain parts of the world. So... I think that this is the best depiction of what is what. But there's, like, a lot of a lot of hate on the world's best because apparently it's, like, very political. Um, we went to another restaurant, which we'll get into, and that Sam has friends that work at Clove Club and seems to feel like they're ahead of this other restaurant because of, like, favors and, and playing the game and, and whatnot. Social media and, and marketing and that Allowing kind of stuff. But we'll, we can get into that a little later. Or restaurant. Um, what I will say is, is that I think that also Michelin focuses... Like, Clove Club is a one Michelin star restaurant, and the way that Clove Club looks, like, I don't ever see it being a two Michelin star. It looks like an elevated pub. Um, Pretty much, yeah. I, so, I was surprised. Well, actually, I wasn't surprised because I did research it before we were going because I needed to make an executive decision on a tire. So you think, like. On his OOTD outfit of the day. That's right. Um, so when you think top 25 restaurant in the world, you think fancy, right? But. Well, not necessarily. And that's also why I like the world's best list because you have a restaurant like Cosme in New York City that's an a la carte restaurant that doesn't look like a pub, but it looks like a funky New York City restaurant that's ahead of per se, which is $325 a person. Right. 
so this is what it is. I've read a lot of the reviews. Um, it was the most casual of what I've seen. So um, I walked in in shorts and a sweater, and it was totally fine. There were people in there, like, in sneakers and sweatpants. <laughs> there was, and there were people that dressed up, like, across the board. But as you were mentioning, uh, Upscale Pub, like, that's what came to mind. So it was super interesting to be like, oh, this is the this is the number twenty five restaurant in the world. Um, so we got there. This place opened in twenty thirteen. Um, and the head chef used to work at the Ledbury, which right. is Isaac McHale. Yeah, is that which it? is another restaurant that we went to while in London that has two Michelin stars, and that's like super fancy, very different vibe. Um, but I just thought that was interesting. So one of the things I wanted to say was we were under the impression that. We were going to get a four-course lunch menu for a certain price, and that wasn't the case. None of the um, none of the websites were accurate. Were accurate, right? On on pricing and courses, and when those courses are available. Um, so we wound up having um, six courses. So the lunch options were six or eight courses, knowing that we were going to a course dinner as well. We, we opted for the-, the <laughs> All the courses! We opted for the, the smaller amount. But um, listen, I thought the food was really good. Um, it was considerably less expensive than the Leadberry, the restaurant that I just mentioned um that has the two michelin stars so although you know we like the leadberry the best it was also the most expensive yeah i'll agree with that but you know sticking to this mm-hmm. um did it meet your expectations were there some dishes that stood out to you um yeah i think it met my expectations um i like the fried chicken what did you enjoy yeah, that was, like, their staple. That never but, goes off the menu, yeah. Right. So I asked, like, how often do you change your menu? They said basically once a month. I said, what's the only, like, is there something that's always on it? And they said the fried chicken. The fried chicken is, like, a starter before you get into the courses. courses so yeah. it's, like, a little piece of fried chicken, which yeah. was really good. But I was surprised to hear that. Like, usually you have a signature dish that's always on the menu, Um and it wasn't like that. So, um, good experience. Uh, was it num- worthy of number 25 in the world? Probably not, um, I would say. And, yeah, so that was lunch. And then we headed back to our hotel, which we stayed at the London Edition, which this is, uh, if not your favorite, one of your favorite hotel chains across the world. Yeah, I think right now it's probably my favorite hotel chain. Um, Ian Schrager designed it. It's also part of the Marriott portfolio, so they have really good, you know, incentives for using their credit card and whatnot. Um, I love. I I think the reason I like the addition so much is is it has a boutique feel, but it's mass owned, so I feel like I'm getting actual value for when I'm spending my money at that hotel. Um, you know, you're getting, if you're using the Marriott credit card, you're getting six times the points, um, etc. So this hotel also, um, had a Michelin star chef. Um, we actually didn't eat there. We didn't have time. I had a jam packed eating schedule for us. You're but, telling um, me. 
But Burner's Tavern is their restaurant. They also have um, something called Punch Club, which is a uh, by-reservation-only uh, punch bar. And it's kind of like a speakeasy, and they only serve punches. And so... We went there one night. We went there one night, and um, we were invited by the GM because I had a little bit of a hissy fit at check-in. Um I would say, so I, okay, so I booked our hotel through MX Travel, so we got five times the points, and I love MX Travel because... That's through the Platinum Card. Through the Platinum Card, and I love this service because, A, it's a really good point redemption, and B, if you see a lower rate and you send them a screenshot, they will credit you no matter how many times you do this, so... I was able to get $200 taken off of our room total uh, because two times I sent them $100 less of a screenshot. So when we were checking in, they wanted to put us in a queen room. And I looked at my reservation details and it didn't specify the bed type. But the original reservation, it was $500 a night for the room. And so I basically said to the woman, I said, I'm sorry, you're charging me $500 a night. And she wanted to charge us an additional 100 pounds per night. Get out of here. And so I I basically just, like, pushed back. And I was like, I'm not paying that. Yeah. You're charging me $500 a night. Like, I'm getting a king-size bed. So she came back. And I didn't, like, say, like, do you know who I am? Do you know where Because <laughs> quite honestly, they didn't seem to give a shit initially when I emailed for a media rate. So I didn't think that that would do anything. I was just basically being like, I paid too much money for you to shove me wherever you want. So I guess the GM looked me up after on LinkedIn and saw where I worked and called and was like, we're sending you tea. We're sending you crumpets. You're a big shot. You're you're invited to our by invitation only cocktail bar or whatever. And all I wanted was a fucking big, bigger bed. Like I didn't need all of that. But so anyway, so we went to this punch bar and it was interesting because it's kind of just like cocktails that they call punches. There were 30 different punches on the menu. None of them were fruit punch. I'll tell you that. Yes, Jared. Because that's what I was looking for. Jared was expecting like a... uh, Spiked high C. That's what I wanted. Didn't get it. Very sorry. I'll I'll be sure to make you some homemade... But like, for instance, you you mentioned uh, them like looking you up or who you are. Big shot. Um, Yeah, so... We wanted to, like, take a nap for a little bit. Oh, God. That was terrible. The doorbell rang, like, 57 times. Like the here, phone. The phone. Here's your tea. What would you like for the reservation for tonight for the drink? Uh, can we fluff your pillow? Do you not want another bathrobe? Whatever you want to do. Like, it was enough. I just want to take a damn nap. How yeah. about that? <sighs> but... Anyways, so, like, I'll I'll say this, like you're you're all about the addition, right? So this is your oh, your, this also, your jam. They also have Lalabo fragrances. Don't know what that is. So the but um, they smell good. Yeah. Yeah. So I know that, but like, no idea what you're talking about. My listeners will. Right. Um. So. I'll describe the edition as like an upscale adult W. That's what I would say. Like, I've been to the one in New York. I've been to the one in Miami. Um, been to the one in London, obviously. And so, I, think, I think that I say that this is my favorite hotel 
not resort, because there's a difference. Yeah, there is a difference. But there's always something going on in the lobby. Um, in the London edition, it had a really nice bar, and then they had the restaurant, which you were talking about on the side, but they had pool tables, they had uh, couches, they had a fireplace. Um, it seemed like a, like a good date spot where, you know, probably locals would come to just to hang out in the lobby because um, it was always filled up. Mm-hmm. Any time, like, after 7 o'clock that we would go down to the lobby, like, it was jam-packed. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's a nice hotel. Um, I thought the room was fine. There was nothing special about it. Um, but I get, like, why you, you like that brand and you like the chain and, and everything like that. So uh, that night we went to Lyle's for dinner. And this was a couple of spots back on the, on the world's 50 best So list. it's interesting. We start just the way it, from, like, reservation perspective, the way it rolled out was that we started with the highest rated and we ended with the lowest rated. Um, so Lyle's within London was number two on the world's best. Um, it has one Michelin star. Correct. Um, pretty much every place we went to was like a half hour drive um, from the hotel. And we were like in a central part of the city. That, that tells you how big and expansive London is. Kind of reminded me of the scope of like a Buenos Aires or a Tokyo or something like that where you can't, you can't, you you just can't walk to places. Um, so you get in the car, you have to give yourself ample time. There's a lot of traffic. Um, it was a holiday weekend, which um, good things and bad things about that. But like traffic wise, it definitely slowed down on the Sunday and Monday that we were there, which was pretty key because the times were accurate. Like we would have had like a place that would have taken 20 minutes to get to. Like if it was a regular night, had to give it at least 45 to get to, which is kind of crazy. So it's interesting. So the Monday that we were there was Memorial Day, and it was called a bank holiday for them. And we asked what bank holiday, and they didn't know what it was. They were like, oh, we just get off from work. Um, cause, Shit. And so I looked into it, and so all of their bank holidays are U.S. holidays. They just call so, it bank holiday. So it's kind of ironic, though, because Memorial Day is, is essentially <laughs> when the U.S. separated from England. And so... They're kind of, like, celebrating it in a weird and ironic way, not realizing it. So, went to Lyle's. Um, Lyle is not the chef. Just point that out. Just the the name. Um, Four-course menu. Don't get, like, as many starters and little extra things. There was no starters. There was bread and butter. Which was your favorite? Yes. Of all time? Um, I judge a restaurant by how good their breader, breader, their bread and butter is. I cannot stand cold butter. Um, and I think bread should be hot. I think those are like very basics of a, a good dining. I'm not going to say fine dining because I think that like, like has a fancy connotation. Like I think any it restaurant, does. any restaurant that's good should give you some hot butter and some hot bread. So, this butter was phenomenal. What makes a phenomenal butter? Okay, I like it to be salted. And I don't know what else. It's just like, it's like when you feel something about someone. It's just like how it makes, it made me feel so good. (laughs) 
The and butter the, made me feel so good. And I'm not done. And so the bread, it was weird because it wasn't that hot, but it was like gummy. You know, it's kind of like my favorite pizza up here. How like it's like gummy, the dough. That's the way this bread was. I really like it. So let's it. cut to the chase. Explosion in your mouth. Yeah. Was, Pretty much. Yeah. Like bread, butter, on point, best yes. you ever had. Potentially. All of those things. Yeah. Potentially. Okay. Uh, Four-course meal. So we both had the same sentiment about Lyle's. Two really good dishes, two adequate dishes. Yeah. Um, so three for a meal, one for a dessert. Um, the bread was not the first course. Correct. So the first course was a white asparagus with anchovies on the top. Now, you're not a big fan of anchovies. I am. So I'm a big fan of anchovies when they're, like, in something. Like, I you don't love like it. I love, Yeah, I can't look at them. They're disgusting. Okay, but if it's chopped up, I'm it's okay. fine. So that's what this was, uh, white asparagus, which are more mild than the green asparagus, and the anchovies on top in a sauce, super good. Like, like really good. Um, you thought, up to this point, your favorite... Meet your favorite dish that you've had on the trip so yeah. far. Um, then we had a couple of so-so dishes. Uh, there was a monkfish, which was kind of salty. There was um, a meat dish, a pork dish, uh, which was just okay. The pork there is pretty fatty, um, just not something we're both into. Um, but the dessert was on point. This was a rhubarb um, and milk meringue dish. Yeah, I think the pastry chef here is just super talented because I'm going to assume that the pastry chef also makes the bread. So I typically don't like meringue. I find it to be extremely dry. I was blown away by this. It was so cream. Like the meringue, the actual meringue was so creamy. I, I loved it. It was one of my favorite desserts. Yep. Um, so pretty good place. I wouldn't say the best, but as to this point, uh, Melissa mentioned her favorite bread and butter ever and the anchovy dish along with the dessert were two stars. Yeah. I think if this restaurant could work on some consistency, like they could get pretty far in that. Like, yeah, they have a lot of good things going on there. And it's also extremely reasonably priced. It was 59 pounds. So the next uh, morning, we tried to get some culture and, and some sights in. So we walked over to Buckingham Palace, um, which I don't know if really you wanted to go to, but I wanted to. The last I mean, time I was there yeah, was like I've... 20 years ago. Um, so oh, we I... also visited my old flat from when I studied abroad. That's right. So That we... was another cultural moment. 89 South Portland Street. Great Portland Street. Great Great Portland babe. Street. Woo! I was close. I am uh, very impressed. Yeah, so we went over there and then walked to Buckingham Palace, which is about a mile away. Uh, the changing of the guard was only um, one time a day, I think, at 8 a.m., so we were a couple hours late to that. Um and then we went over to Kensington Palace as well, which I hadn't been to. But, you know, Buckingham is where the queen works during the week, whatever work she does. Um, and then Kensington is where everybody lives. So, like, William, you know, and that family. William, Kate, Kate right. Harry, Meghan, Harry, Archie. Meg- yeah, so Harry, Meghan, just... Uh, 
moved out to the countryside, but they were there as well. There's 15 members of the royal family that lived in Kensington Palace, um, and it's separated into, like, you know, different homes on the property. And so the area there is South Kensington, um, Beautiful. which is right next to Notting Hill, and super spectacular. Like, we walked around there, the grounds, and outside of Kensington Palace, you have... Um, all the state houses, so, you know, France, Russia, whatever, Italy, America, they're all there, um, and it's just a really nice place, tree-lined streets, then you walk into Notting Hill, it's kind of the same thing over there, um, and then we ate at the Leadbury, um, which ended up being, I think, our favorite place, two Michelin stars, um, what you expect from a high-end restaurant, um, Jared... Although Jared does not like to dress up, he likes that white tablecloth service. I think the service has a lot to do with it. Like, you you feel like you're in a different place than the first two places, which were more like an upscale pub. Um, You just feel like you're in an important place. Um, It's been around for a long time. Um, As Melissa mentioned, has the two Michelin stars topped out at number 14 on the world's best list. Um... Not recently. Not recently, but a couple of years ago. And the staff was super, um, like, into it, attentful. Um, attentful? Sorry. Attentive. Um, and You're so cute. Yeah, it was a great experience. They took us into the kitchen at the end. Um, just everything was on point. We had venison for the meat course, um, which was really legit. Uh, any other things that, that stood out to you? Yeah, I liked the um, the fancy bacon and eggs. Oh, that was good. That was like the second dish on the menu. So fancy bacon and eggs, um, exactly what you think, just very high-end stuff. Um, yeah, just a really good experience. Went there for lunch, obviously same menu, lunch and dinner. Um, I, think and the pr- I think the reason why we did lunch there is because although it's like the same number of courses for dinner, I think the price goes up. And that's also a really good um, like insider tidbit for these types of, of restaurants. It's usually very similar menus for lunch and dinner and less money for lunch. Right. So if you can, obviously, uh, go for lunch. The chef there is uh, Brett Graham. Um, we met the sous chef who's been there for a number of years and he was very nice explaining yeah, to us. Yeah, they took us in the back um, of the kitchen. He was like super nice, very approachable. Um, yeah, it was it was an excellent dining experience. Um, you yeah, talk about I mean, I really, like, I really enjoyed it. Uh, just, you talked about the bacon and eggs. Um, Hen of the Woods mushroom was one of their favorites too. Uh, which they actually gave us as an extra course, which yeah, was super nice. because we did the six courses, and um, they gave us the Hen of the Woods, which was only included in the eight-course option. Right. Um, then that night, we went off our top 50 list, and we went to this... It's it's really known as, like, the top restaurant in London. It's uh, an old Chil- firehouse. So it's Children Firehouse, and so it's Andre Balaz, who is a boutique hotelier. So he does um, Sunset Beach and Shelter Island. Um, he also does Chateau Marmont, which is, like, super famous. So it's interesting because I would say that Andre and Ian Schrager are, like, the two most famous independent hoteliers um, in the U.S., and we actually 
I guess, went to both of their properties. Of course, of course we, we did. did. So, um, Children Firehouse is, yes, a um, old firehouse. And so, they have about 26 rooms. And they also have this iconic restaurant, which it's so funny because I'm extremely into food. And so, when I look on restaurants' Instagrams that are, like, food-first places, it's all food and so I was looking to see what I wanted to order ahead of time and it's all of these like influencers at Chiltern Firehouse just doing these sexy poses and I was like oh boy what am I getting myself into but the food was actually really good oh and also so it I want to go back to it being a firehouse one of the things I loved is that at the restaurant they kept all of the old fire poles so like the table across from us had a fire pole right in the middle of their table. <laughs> right. Um, I'll cut to the chase. This was the second best steak I've ever had. <laughs> I mean, no doubt. Like, Peter Luger's number one in Brooklyn. This place was number two. We had steak all over Argentina, and that's not even, like, top two. No, okay. not at all. Okay. So, it's interesting, though, because, obviously, I asked the waiter, you know, what's the most popular thing on the menu? What do you suggest? Didn't mention the steak at all. Okay, he mentions a couple appetizers. We got those. Not a fan. Like, it was eh. Yeah. At best. Then saucy. Right. Then I got uh, the ribeye steak, which was cut up. And it was insane. Like, it was sweet, but it was smoky. Um, and then we kind of looked it up to see, like, what cooking technique or what it was. Because it was all open flame. But the thing that they mentioned was most beef is from like a young cow, like two or three years old. This beef was from a specific region in Spain. Mm-hmm. And was right by San Sebastian. 14 years old, which I don't know what it does to the flavor, but it did something really, really good because it was sweet. It was smoky from the grill. It was great. You tasted it. I, yeah, I made, it you, I made you taste it. Really excellent. Um, so second best steak I've ever had. Um, that would be like, if I was going to tell you to go back to that place, that would be the reason to go back to it. Cause the other stuff was just okay, but yeah. this was awesome. Um, so we did that. And then the next morning or afternoon, we had a lunch reservation before our flight. Uh, this was the fourth of the top 50 restaurants in the world. It was in the Mandarin Oriental and it was dinner. Right? By, Hest, by Heston Blumenthal. Not lunch. Well, we went for lunch. I, so you made a really you, good analogy. You're like, right. it's like who's on first because we were having Can lunch. we play that game? Yeah. <laughs> so where are we going for lunch? Dinner. But where are we going for lunch, not dinner? Dinner. What do you mean dinner? Where are we going for lunch? Dinner. <laughs> so that's what it is. Um, so you go to, you go to lunch at, at dinner... dinner. Um, by Heston Blumenthal. Um, and this was, hmm, how should I describe this? I think this was like hotel dining, but like it was good food. It wasn't great. It was overpriced. I don't know why the accolades are so high for this place. They're also obsessed with like 13th century food. (laughs) They are. That's all it is. So like, like, one of the main things which we're both not into is chicken liver. And so they have this thing on the menu called meat fruit. 
and it looks like an orange because on the outside it is an orange, but on the inside it's not an orange. It's it's not an orange. What is it? It's made to look like an orange because you can cut right through it and you you eat the whole thing. It's still chicken liver. They probably just it put looks dye. like an orange to me. They probably just put dye on it. Yeah, it looks like an orange to me. But yes, on the inside it's all chicken liver. We did not order it. Um, I got a bone marrow appetizer with snails, which was okay. Um, you got salmon, mm-hmm. which was pretty good. Yeah. I tasted that. And then I got a filet, which after coming off that steak from uh, the firehouse, I... You were like, this ain't shit. And I know. I had... It was like, why am I doing this to myself? I'm not gonna... I'm just gonna be like thinking about this other place. Why am I ordering the filet here? It's like when you first went out with me and then like you continued to date other girls and you're like, why am I with this chicken liver when I have filet at home? You said it, not me. That's all you. Um, I had pigeon though, which I liked. Have I you mean, ever had that before? Yeah, I'm sure we've had pigeon before. Together we've had pigeon. Like we've eaten a pigeon together? Like what do you, I'm asking I mean, you. I'm go, asking you if you had pigeon. We go to the park every Saturday. We pick up a pigeon. We fucking kill it right there. Whoa, and we cook whoa. it. Whoa. Um, That's animal cruelty, and I will not stand for it. We've definitely had pigeon before, because I knew that I would like it if I ordered it. I like a dark meat chicken. Yeah, right? I've, mm-hmm. I've had it before. It, it was good. Um, I mean, this bank holiday really screwed us up, because I thought that we were going there, because Monday through Friday, they serve a three-course menu for 45 pounds, which, for a two-Michelin-star place, is a fantastic deal. But because this was a bank holiday... We had to order a la carte, so it was twice the price. But like, we were we were in London, and when in London, and I wanted to eat at all four, the quad the quadfecta, and that's what you did, and that's what we did. Yes, that's what we did. Um, okay, let's uh, let's wrap up by giving our passport stamps. So, London, quick trip. Three nights, one night in the countryside, two nights in the city, so very different. Uh, zero through ten, no round numbers. What do you give London passport stamps? I, and you're including Heckfield. Yeah. I would include... Let's, I, let's go London slash UK. I had a fantastic trip. Um, I thought that it's essentially like just a little bit more than flying to California, and I think that we got a lot of culture and we did a lot of fun things. I'm going to go 8-9 only because the traffic really pissed me off. Okay. That's a good, that's a good score. Um, I'll go 9.2. I'll go a little higher. I really enjoyed myself there. Um, as you mentioned, uh, relatively quick flight to get to Europe. Um, I would have liked to stay longer if I could. You don't say. But, you know, it is what it is. But... Uh, I really enjoyed the first night in Heckfield. I would, if I was going to go back, I would stay more time there. And I really liked the city. Like, we, we did a lot of stuff. We did a lot of eating. Like, I had to pace myself. We had to space out the reservations. But all in all, when you get to eat at four top 50 restaurants in the world, it's pretty special. Um, and not every one... With your best friend. That's right. Not everyone is going to be at the top of your list. But, you know... We, we do a little research, we see what works, what doesn't work, and then we have our favorites, um, and then those menus go up on the Wall of Fame uh, in the studio here. So that's, uh, yeah, I'll give it that score on the passport stamps, uh, 9.2. Um, 
And if you want to go on a quick trip to London, as Melissa mentioned, it's easy, just about an hour longer than going to California. So why not bust out the passport and do it? Um, So that's about it for episode number 18 of the itinerary. Um, If you want to go back and listen to previous episodes, so easy to do, just hop on on iTunes and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. Um, search for the itinerary. If you have not uh, subscribed, do that and download the podcast and write a review for us. Always helpful. Uh, rate and review. And if you want travel help, uh, remember, just go to the website, theitinerarytravel.info, and send us a message on there, and you can get personalized help to get the most value of your points and miles for your next trip. Uh, if you want to plan a trip, uh, your family, your friends want to plan a trip, just send them there. They can get in touch. Pretty easy to do. Uh, that's about it. Want to say goodbye? Right. Cheerio. Cheerio. Cheers. See ya.